All right, everyone, welcome to today's podcast. We're talking about a painful way to motivate yourself to lose weight. Uh, and I say painful because you ain't gonna like it, but it's very effective. When you wanna motivate yourself, it's always two pieces of motivation. There's avoiding pain and moving towards pleasure. Today, we're gonna talk about focusing on the pain, which I know no one wants to do. Um, but if you do this, it can be one of the most motivating things for you to actually achieve your goals. So. Uh, you tend to do this naturally anyways, where you focus on the pain of the weight, but unfortunately you've habituated to a lot of those pains. So I use you metaphorically, the pain most people use to try and motivate themselves to lose weight is a pain that almost is equivalent to like if you're walking around with a heavy, with a backpack full of bricks and it's heavy and you're kind of, you know, you're under the weight of it and it's difficult to move and you know it's painful, but at the same time you've habituated to it. So I know you know that the weight's painful that you're living with, but at the same time, it's come on a pound at a time. So you're kind of normalized to it. And we wanna compare that kind of dull, aching, consistent chronic pain to a sharp pain of if I poked you in the side with a knife, right? If I poke you in the side with a knife, you're gonna respond, you're gonna do something. And so this is the pain that you wanna create to really motivate yourself. Now, the good news is we're not gonna stay in this pain the whole weight loss process. That's a big difference between this approach and a dieter's approach. Dieters tend to try and stay in pain to keep themselves motivated. We wanna use pain strategically and know that it's there, but we also wanna keep our head in the pleasure as much as possible. But we're gonna talk about the pain right now. So when it comes to the pain of the weight, what would you say is the biggest pain that you're experiencing? And to get to this pain, we really want to go deeper than just the generalized, I feel like shit, I don't like how I look, I'm embarrassed, these things. We want to go deeper into the really, really sharpy, pointy pains. And the way we get to these a lot of times is actually skipping how you look and getting to the physical worry and experience of dealing with the weight. And so for a lot of people, what really starts to move this into a whole nother category is when you think about the worry and the fear you have of carrying the weight. If you've got a history in your family of heart issues or um, diabetes or, or any of these in intense physical problems, you wanna face this pain because it's there in the background anyways, but a lot of times what you're doing is trying to avoid it and ignore it. What you wanna do is you wanna face it and really face to face say, what am I most worried about? What do I think is most likely to happen to me if I don't lose this weight? And this can be a very, very profound starting point to really tap into some real pain. Because again, what we're usually basing our motivation for weight loss on is that we're not happy with how we look and we wanna look better, which literally technically is a superficial motivation. It's based on how you look. So when we start focusing on what's going inside of our body, this starts making things a lot different. And I use this as an example, I was using this last night. If someone was an alcoholic, you're usually not gonna motivate an alcoholic to stop doing using alcohol abusively, or if they're a drug addict, you're not gonna stop them from using drugs by saying, hey, you know, if you quit drinking, you'll look better. You'll slim down, your skin will have a nicer, you know, shade to it. You know, your, your drugs, hey, you know, you might wanna stop doing drugs. Your skin will have a nicer glow to it if you stop doing the drugs, right? It's not up to the task at hand. And wanting to look better for most people is not enough motivation uh, to, to actually do the things you need to do to lose the weight, okay? And so again, pain is a big part of it. And so what are the biggest pains that you associate to the weight now and potentially in the future? And again, I think if you focus in on 
life or death issues. Because literally, what you're putting into your mouth consistently, how you're living consistently, is probably the things that are going to have the biggest impact on how long you're alive and your quality of life during those years. And we're conditioned this society to completely ignore that part. And just folks, I want to look better, you know, but that's not enough motivation. So I like to bring it down to the most painful thing we can typically think about, which is the physical effects and literally how long you're going to be alive for the quality of your life during those years. And so we focus in on the, the literal length of your life that could be impacted by your weight. And then we go into the, the quality piece of it. And the quality piece is the emotions you're experiencing day in and day out at this weight. And this is for you to take some time and reflect on. But what negative emotions are you experiencing day in and day out because of the extra weight? It could be frustration. It could be sadness. It could be disappointment. It could be worry. It could be fear. It's a, it's a bunch of things. But this is the path. Okay. Now, again, I'm not going to go into pleasure now. We'll, we'll do that tomorrow. Um, but focusing on pleasure is just as important because, again, motivation is always a pain-pleasure dynamic. But your motivation is equivalent to the pain that you can tap into and how sharp and powerful it is and the pleasure that you can tap into. And that's how we want to frame this process. But if you take a little bit of time and you're genuinely honest with yourself and think about how you believe that your weight is going to impact how long you're going to be alive, your quality of life while you're here, you start to realize what's truly at stake. And now this starts to unleash more motivation that is appropriate for the situation at hand. So take some time to think about this and I hope it helps you out. Uh, if anyone has any questions, feel free to ask them. Um, I don't know, I'm having streaming issues, but we'll skip that for now. What's up, Connie? How's it going? Happy Wednesday to you. Yep, I'll always love Wednesdays too, because a couple more days to, to Friday. Corgi Cat says, hello from Mauritius. How am I not, how am I hearing about a place I'd never heard of before? Where is Mauritius? Oh, Mauritius Island? All right. I like islands. Damn, look at that. East Africa. That's pretty cool. Never heard of Mauritius. Never had anyone say hi from that. Indian Ocean Island nation. Known for its beaches, lagoons, and reefs. It looks beautiful from what I'm seeing. Wow. Pretty cool. Pretty cool. Cool that you're watching from there, too. It's always, it's so nuts. It never, it never gets old. People from the other side of the planet um, watching me over here in Massachusetts, America. It's always funny. Um... See, I just want to move through if anyone asks any questions. Connie says, my motivation, I need to be here for my kids. I've said it before, you're saving my life, Jim. Oh, thank you. Again, I I, I don't want to get all dramatic, but I think we, we have to see things more accurately. You know, I think, again, if we, changing your weight requires, it is a lot of work. I don't, you know, again, even my process, I, I talked to, I mean, it still takes effort and work. And anyone tells you that it's not going to take effort, it's bullshitting you, you know? It's all going to take effort and work. So again, we have to have really, potent, compelling reasons for why we're going to take this on. And wanting to look better is just not going to do it. Again, I, 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 I'm i going to write this down. Let me make a video on that. I thought it was really interesting last night because that was just kind of a spontaneous thing we came up with because the person I was talking to was, um, you know, you, you went to Alcoholics Anonymous, was using the 12-step program, but uh, I'm just write this down. You got to catch the, the good ideas when they come, you know, or else you, you'd never get them back. It's a weird thing. 
Uh, but yeah, if, if you look at the serious stuff of drug addiction, alcohol addiction, um, usually, you know, a superficial motivation, like oh, I want to look better, hey, you know, um, isn't going to be enough. We need to cut to the, the real meaty stuff. So yeah, when you start framing this process as one, now again, if you don't know my story, for me, this is easy for me to do. My father died at 54 of a heart attack. I was nine years old. So the most traumatic event in my life, I've been able to utilize that. Okay. And so when I am feeling wobbly, oh, do I even care about my weight? Does it really even matter? Yeah, it does. Because, you know, and I always say, I'll compare this. I'll give you an example of what I mean. Um, for a long time, I was like, oh, I want to have a six pack, you know, I want to have a six pack. And then I'd kind of do it. And I just never made it happen. And I wondered, I was like, what the hell? You know, I'm a master of my eating, master of my lifestyle, master of my weight. So why am I not getting a six pack? And all of a sudden, one day it came crystal clear to me. I said, because I don't give a shit. I'm a married guy who's got his shirt off five hours a year. I don't care. I don't want to put out extra work in. I don't care. And I think a lot of people walking around that think they want to lose weight don't really want to lose weight because they don't really give a shit. You don't really care how you look. If you really cared, you would have changed a while ago. And so, again, I almost think that virtually everyone I've ever met with a weight issue that I've been helped and I've gotten to work with, the core reason always begins with you're not really motivated. And if you're just thinking about wanting to look better and you're wondering why you're not motivated to make the changes, there you go. It's not enough. And the thing is, you have this other way of looking at it. I'm sorry, I'm getting distracted. It's raining out here. My friggin' door is just got blown off the hinges last night and I can hear water dripping. And it's making me crazy. But that's just something I got to deal with. So uh, yeah. So anyways, we need we need more potent motivation to um, to achieve the results we want. So good job, Connie. That's a better way to frame it. I think. I think you'll find that that helps you a lot more. Um, this has me thinking, though, not just being here for my kids, but being my best for them. Yeah, exactly. And that's what we want to do too. Um, we don't just want to. Again, it's not just the the fear of not being alive. It's literally how we we are while we're here. And I think the more we start to reframe this process, that gives it more meaning, obviously, you know? And as we give the process more meaning, we unleash more motivation and that makes everything else easier. Because as I like to say, motivation, what's up, Karen? Uh, motivation is really the engine that drives the whole process. And I find a lot of people, I, I truly believe this. This is why I'm programming yourself. Then the first thing we go through in the mindset section is the, uh, is motivation. You know, because most people, even if you've been struggling to lose weight for decades, you know, it, it's kind of crazy to realize this, but you don't really know how to motivate yourself. Most people don't. They, you know, I think most people walking around with weight loss, they're making the big mistake of just assuming they want to lose weight. You just assume it. What if it ain't true? What if you don't really want to lose weight? Wouldn't that explain a lot? You know? Now, again, I don't think it's just that you don't want to. I think that's a big part of it. I think it's also... The other side of that is that you don't have any real, real strategies available to you either, you know? And I, so I think it's a one-two punch that you don't really want to lose weight. And I think part of that is because you don't believe it's, you know, doable in a relatively easy way. Um, but the motivation piece, the biggest part is that you're framing it as a small thing that you just want to look better. And that's just not going to get the job done. So that's why spending a little extra time on that and really focusing on that crystal clear uh, on why you're doing this and give it more meaning, you know? So Wasabi, Wasabi Nakabi. I like that name. I always like names that, that rhyme. Um, kind of says, working on focusing on the lifestyle pyramid. Can you talk about the breathing level or step? 
Uh, yeah. So, so what Connie's referring to is in program yourself. Then we follow weight mastery pyramid, which is mindset, lifestyle, eating, and the middle piece, the lifestyle, is probably the most important. Uh, they're all just equally important, <laughs> but the lifestyle piece is eight lifestyle habits. And in order of importance, it's sleeping, hydration, relaxation, breathing, nourishment, movement, meditation, gratitude. And so if you can start to weave these into your life, you will make the whole process of mastering your weight much easier because the healthier your lifestyle is, you know, that, that impacts your cravings in a positive way reduces your hunger, clears your thinking, balances your emotions, balances your hormones. It just supports you in a very fundamental way. So the breathing piece really goes hand in hand with the relaxation piece because you can't breathe properly if you're tense. And you can prove this to yourself right now. If you tighten all the muscles in your torso, right? Tighten them, tighten them, tighten them, tighten them, and then take a deep breath. You can't, right? Because the lungs need to expand. And if your muscles are tight, it constrains your lungs and you can't breathe deeply. So the first step of proper breathing is proper relaxation, relaxing and allowing your, your lungs to be able to expand and move. And then the piece after that is breathing is really just a higher level of oxygen, um, breathing in and exhaling. So, so more in, more out. So you have a higher rate of transfer of oxygen into your body. And uh, what you realize when you start focusing on breathing, if you're like me at all, because I remember I first started hearing about breathing work in yoga, they call pranayama. And you say, well, shit, I know how to breathe. You know, of course I know how to breathe, I'm a human. But turns out I didn't know how to breathe very well because I was very tense. And how I used to breathe and how a lot of people breathe is you breathe from here up. Well, if you look at lungs, lungs are bigger on the bottom. So uh, a lot of people have learned to breathe uh, in a wrong way. Because proper breathing, if you watch a baby breathe, you'll watch their stomach move up and down, okay? So they can bring air into their lungs in the bottom part and they're bringing a full, more air into their body. And for a lot of people in this culture, you don't wanna move your stomach. You don't wanna bring attention to your stomach. So you tighten your stomach up, suck it in. And again, you start, right? But that's a very, very shallow breathing pattern. And shallow breathing patterns are associated with all kinds of issues and troubles. So yeah, getting the breathing down is really, really important. It helps you activate your parasympathetic nervous system, relax you, calm you down, think more clearly, uh, have more control of your cravings, your eating, all the rest of it. Um, working on focusing on the lifestyle pyramid. Yep, I just talked about that. Um, so yeah, so so dealing with uh, dealing with the breathing is just one more thing. And again, I, I like to think when I, when I teach the lifestyle habits, I teach, I teach a master ritual which shows you how to do like six of the habits in a minute or two because I'm all about practicality. So I'm a big believer that what a lot of people tend to intuitively do is they see these things and they want to jump into it 100%. But I'm much more interested in creating consistency. So I want to make the, the lifestyle habits easy to do so that you start doing them consistently because it's the consistency of doing things that leads to mastery. You can't master things just right away. It's not possible. Um, kind of says 40 years old and I've never known how to relax. I swear I'm a naturally shallow breather. This is so helpful. Yeah, a lot of people feel that way. Uh, I, I don't know. I mean, is anyone naturally a shallow breather? I tend not to believe that because a lot of times, again, if you watch babies, they all breathe with their stomachs moving up and down, diaphragmic breathing, you know? And so again, when we're breathing properly, your stomach's moving. Because again, if you look at lungs, they're bigger on the bottom than they are on the top. So it's natural to breathe deep into our lungs and 
to do that, again, our diaphragm needs to move, our stomach moves. And yeah, we, we just intuitively kind of just start holding our stomachs in and not wanting to bring attention to them. And so we, we kind of intuitively start to breathe in this culture in a very shallow way. And when you start to breathe in a more full way, it really is quite a game changer because it changes you at a fundamental level. When one of the things I, I, I teach meditation as well in the program, and I teach a very simple practical meditation, and it's really based on paying attention to your breathing. So the meditation I teach is bringing your attention inwards and then kind of parallel processing. Part of you is keeping your body relaxed and breathing more fully. And then part of you is kind of monitoring, what am I focusing on? But most of, more of it is focused on my breathing because if my breathing stays very rhythmic and deep, then I know there's a good chance that I'm in the moment, I'm being present. It's when I start going into thoughts that my breathing starts to change. And so this happens for a lot of people. So I like to focus on my breathing. I think of it like I'm surfing. Uh, it, it's a very rhythmic thing. And, uh, and in order to do that, in order to be able to breathe this way, you need to be able to relax. So that's why I say breathing and relaxation kind of go hand in hand with those two. You know? But yeah, the more you practice it, the better you get. And there, that's just the beginning level of, of breath work if you get into it. You, know, um, you can go much deeper into that. Same with all those lifestyle habits pretty much. Um, did you say we could split payment to join the program? Didn't see that option unless I missed it. Uh, yeah, you can split the payments. You're right. I, it is easy to miss because if you go to that, if you go to the order page, it just shows like add to cart, but but click that button and it'll bring you to a page where it gives you the option to pay once or split it in half. All right. Um, and again, it's a, that's a great option now because one of the things I did with that that version is that there's a live Tuesday class every week. And so it's kind of cool because you still get some access to me. So if you have any questions or whatever, I help you out here too. You know what I mean? But um, the, the Tuesday call is kind of fun because there's other people in the program and um, we do that every week. So that's kind of neat. But yeah, so, so do that, Erica. If you, go, if you go to that same page, click on the, the $300 program, and then it should bring you to a page that gives you the option to do the split payments. And if it doesn't for some reason, just shoot me an email because it's a mistake. I got a lot of pages. There's mistakes all over the place. So if that's one of them, just let me know. But I'm pretty sure if you click on that link, it'll bring you to a split payment. Um, yeah, Karen said, that's amazing, the breathing of the stomach. It is amazing. It's amazing. <laughs> Which is to say, you know, there's two lessons there. One is that we're all breathing in a screwy way unless you've focused on it. And two is that breathing normally is what we were all born doing and the society kind of conditions us to do all sorts of shit in wrong ways um, from thinking to breathing to eating to living to everything and so we, we really need to you know have our own north star uh, of what we're aiming at that's based on what's good and beneficial and healthy for us because the society and the culture around us a lot of times is not that um, you know, so yeah, right down to breathing, <laughs> right? Just like something so, so simple and basic and natural can be, even that can be screwed up, you know? So yeah. And it makes a huge difference when you start breathing that way. You know, it's a fundamental difference, I would say. Um, sir, babies breathe this way because they are unable to take in air through their noses yet. So they take full gulps, gulps of air through their mouth until their nasal breathing has developed. Well, you learn something new every day. There you go. Um, so that's interesting, but regardless, I mean, still you'll, you'll see even young kids use their bellies to breathe more. It's more natural to use all of our lungs. 
you know, so. And plus, you can see it. Like, once you start practicing it, you start, like, I breathe that way more naturally now. I don't, I don't, I don't do this. <laughs> do you know what I mean? And I used to. I used to breathe very shallow up in here. And so, you know, just, just judge yourself, you know. You think it's natural to breathe shallow, you know? Um, so, you know. Which inflates the stomach, which is why it's called abdominal breathing. This isn't a good example to prove why adults should be breathing this way. False. Um, okay, great. So, breathe shallow. <laughs> what can I tell you? You know what I mean? I saw a split payment on 301, but I'm wondering about the full program. Oh, oh, sorry, I wasn't clear. You're right. There wasn't a split payment. Um, yeah, let me... Um, yeah, that, that one I don't put in there. But yeah, I can put I can do that for you. You know what? Shoot me an email if you want to split pay the, the full one. Yeah, I... Um, I'll send you a link for that because I, I do have that one. That was not in the same spot. So yeah, check that out. Um, any advice is for overeating and making new habits like healthy habits. Can't do this anymore. Uh, yeah, for sure. For sure. That's what I do. <laughs> um, I want to point out though, before I go into this, that habits, I find this fascinating because again, in program yourself, then we go through, again, there's weight mastery pyramid, mindset, lifestyle, eating. The mindset piece, we break down into six components. And I find this to be, it's kind of common sense to me over the years kind of creating this, but I also look around and I don't see people breaking the mindset out into these components. And so uh, I find like once you understand these components, it really illuminates a lot of why you've been struggling. Because if you've been trying to lose weight for 10, 20, 30 years, and you don't understand how to strategically influence your habits, what are, you, what are we doing? You know what I mean? Like how could you not know more about habits at this point? And the, most likely you don't know much about habits. What you know is you have willpower to fight against your, um, use willpower to fight against your habits, okay? And so when you start to understand the deeper neuroscience of habits, the cue, habit, you know, um, reward we get from it, you can be much more strategic with it, you know? And on top of that, understanding that most of the habitual processes run subconsciously without you being aware of it. Um, you're triggered constantly by environmental cues that are triggering all sorts of habits. So again, yeah, th this is one of the main things I do in the program. Uh, so th those are kind of two different things. Advices for overeating and advices for making new habits are kind of two separate things in my book. Um, but we'll stick with habits for a second. So when it comes to habits, one of the things I do with people, when, now again, I'm, I'm focused more on weight mastery than weight loss. The big difference being that when people focus on weight loss, they try and change absolutely everything all at once, 100%. When people focus on weight mastery, it's much more of a longer term approach to really mastering all the components that allow you to master your weight. Oh, goodness. There we go. Uh, so, so when it comes to the habits, one of the things I'll tell people to do is don't just change all your eating all at once. I know you're impatient, but I think what's a better strategy to really master your weight is to pick your worst eating habit. Start with your worst eating habit and focus on that. Okay, because it's going to take a lot of energy. It's going to take some time. It's going to take some trial and error and awareness to get control of that one habit. You know, for me, when I changed my weight, the first habit I focused on was snacking after night and so, or after dinner. And so I would focus on that. I focused on that for months, you know, just, just kind of understand stalking it. Because the goal here is not just to change our habit for a short time. We want to find a real genuine solution, a new way of behaving that runs pretty much on autopilot that keeps us at our goal weight. And so we, you can't just change everything all at once. I saw the funniest, someone put a meme up today and it was so good. I, um, 
but it was basically saying this, like I, I made a decision today. I'm going to change absolutely everything about my life. And I'm going to have all good habits from here on out. <laughs> and it was funny because it's so goofy to think we're going to do that. So again, um, when it comes to habits, my advice is that stop trying to change all your habits at once and be much more strategic with it and focus on one, maybe two habits at a time and get real genuine strategies that work for you or effective for you, built around you that you can do and get yourself kind of on autopilot, then move on to the next ones. I think that's a better strategy. Um, when it comes to overeating, the main thing, I mean, that's such a huge question, you know, but I will give you the, the big general um, things I will tell you that I see coming down the pike all the time with overeating. I think the biggest cause of overeating typically is over-restricting. I find a lot of people with dieters, they start the day eating as little as possible and they're fine until about the afternoon and then they overeat. Overeat in the afternoon, overeat in the evening. And so I think that when it comes to overeating, that's the first thing I would look at is, are you getting yourself too hungry? That That's one of the most common patterns I've seen. The other one is usually emotional, right? So you start overeating when you're dealing with some emotions that you don't know how to deal with, don't want to deal with, and so you use the food as a way to distract yourself from it, numb yourself from it. So obviously there's other forms of overeating, but without knowing more details, it'd be silly for me to give you suggestions on those, but those are the two big ones, right? Um, uh, Drolly says, I'm a pediatric DO, by the way, for those curious and expertise. Um, how to know if I'm doing something or not, if I'm progressing? Uh, yeah, okay. So I think that's a good question because I think I think people, dieters especially, make a huge mistake, a huge mistake because they focus only on the weight loss piece of it. They really allow the scale to be the main and a lot of times only thing that they're focusing on uh, to measure their results, right? So I, you know, and then what leads, what that leads to is I have so often people say, geez, I said one yesterday, last night in the program. And uh, they're like, well, I've been eating well, I've been living healthier. I went and played pickleball, did all this stuff, you know, and then I see, you know, the step of the scale, it's not moving, you know, it's, it's frustrating. So it's like a lot of times we get that scale so much power and we can feel so good and we're so proud of what we've been doing. We step on the scale and it wipes all that out. So we got to fight against that because weight loss is very inconsistent and unpredictable in the short term, all right? So I don't think measuring all your motivation and basing all your motivation on the scale moving down is a great strategy in the beginning, all right? And I know that's what you want though. Again, this all comes back to you got to have a longer term time frame. If you're just about, I just want to lose weight as quick as possible, just keep scrolling. I'm not for you, okay? I'm talking about mastering your weight once and for all, being done with this, you know, because you, you master it. And in order to get to mastery, what we want to do is we want to fixate and focus on the process that creates the weight loss because technically you can't lose weight. There's no losing weight short of chopping an arm or leg off. You can't lose weight. What you can do is you can eat healthier, you can live healthier, make better food and, and lifestyle decisions. And over time, through some magical process, it turns into weight loss. So we need to focus on the, again, the weight loss is a reflection of the habitual eating and living. And so we wanna focus on the eating and the living pieces and measure ourselves on that. So when you go to bed tonight, you reflect on how you did. So I think I see Paula over there, Paula's in the program and she, one of her big wins is that she stopped snacking after dinner. And so for her, when she goes to bed, she, her words, she goes, I, felt, I feel elated. I feel elated that I didn't do this. So let's focus on the instant gratification of making good decisions. No one ever thinks about that, right? We all know about the instant gratification of the food, but what about the instant gratification of making good decisions? It's right there too. And if you start to orient yourself around those and you focus on those, 
it makes the whole process a lot easier. Now you have to have some faith with this model. You have to believe that if I stop snacking at night over the next few months, that my weight's going to go down. I know it is. And so you have to have that piece of it there. But the more you fixate and focus on your behavior and what you're doing day in and day out and let yourself measure your behavior and how good you feel on that, I think you're setting yourself up for a lot of success. So that's how I know if I'm progressing. And that's worked very, very well for me. Now, obviously, you're taking into account the weight ultimately, you know. So if you've been doing, you know, you're, oh, my God, my behavior's off the charts. This is amazing. It's great. You step on the scale a month later, nothing moved. You know, now you can be strategic and say, okay, wait a second, I'm gonna have to tweak things some more, okay? But I find what happens to most people is they make a lot of good choices and decisions, they ignore them, and they just focus on what the scale's gonna say. They step on the scale a week after they've made the good decisions and nothing really changes much, and now they feel discouraged. So again, we need to deal with that somehow, and I think the way I just described is a good way to, to go about it. Um, Esma says, every time when I get better, something happens, especially when I'm, not, when I'm out, I always end up overeating. Yeah, yeah, I get that, Esma. That's a common thing. You know, we get better at something and then we kind of backslide. Now, that's natural just regardless. It just is, okay? And some of that's because it's real and some of it's because it's how we experience things. Um, we start off a lot of excitement, motivation, feeling we're getting a lot of momentum forward and then things kind of balance out a little bit. So that's normal. Um, the piece of, I always end up, I always end up overeating. I'm, when I'm out, I always end up overeating. What I would suggest for that, so that specific overeating pattern, and that's what I say, when you when you asked earlier, you said, how do I deal with overeating? Well, that's so big, that means nothing to me. You know what I mean? If you say, hey, Jim, tell me how to stop overeating. What? Well, which overeating? Because you probably got a number of overeating patterns in your life. And so now you're getting more specific. You say, when I go out, the overeating when I go out. Okay, well, that's a more specific thing. And we need to be specific with what the problem is because the solution needs to be specific to the challenge. The solution to not overeat when you go out is going to be different than the solution to not overeat when you're at home at night watching TV. Do you understand that they're two different solutions and strategies you're going to use? So going out, it's, it's, again, you have to figure out what works for you, but you know, we start to isolate that and say, okay, when I go out, I want to get more control over when I go out with my eating. Now, the good news is you have a lot of, a lot of history and experience. You know how you go out and you overeat, you know, what's going on. It's a pattern. And so you can start to ask yourself the question, how can I more control over my eating when I go out? And, um, you know, again, if you keep asking this question, you'll come up with specific strategies to help you out. But some common strategies, uh, before I go out to this place, I'm going to drink a big glass of water. I'm going to have a small, healthy snack an hour and a half before I go out. Um, I'm going to stay relaxed and calm and present. I'm going to eat more slowly when I'm out. I'm going to speak to people more and eat slower. There's a lot of strategies you could work on implementing. And it's up to you to kind of feel like which ones kind of resonate most with you and start with those. Okay. But if you focus on that instead of again, okay, I'm on a diet now. Okay. I got to go out. Oh my God. I got to eat perfect when I go out. Oh, I didn't do it. I'm off my diet. <laughs> right. That, that's kind of the classic like diet or approach to things. You got to cut that shit out. Um, you know, you, you recognize where your challenges are. You start systematically working on understanding them and then figuring out custom-made solutions and strategies you can use to, to fix them and overcome them. So it's a mindset thing, you know, I can't even feel anymore when I'm full and when I'm not. Um, why can I eat so much food since I was a kid? Um, yeah, a lot of people can eat a lot of food. There's a thing, you know, listen, if we're, if we're here, our ancestors probably had this ability. It, it's called spontaneous veracity, where in a natural world, we can eat, we can just eat and eat and eat and eat and eat because it was a survival thing, right? People that could eat when there was food around had a higher chance of survival. So there's this thing most of us have that, you know, when we're in a situation where there's a lot of food, we can just keep on eating. 
So yeah, I have that, you know, I could keep eating. I structure my eating to kind of combat that. But I mean, we're, we live in an environment too where we're constantly surrounded by hyper palatable, easily eaten uh, processed foods. So um, it's very, very easy to keep on eating in this environment. So we need strategies to deal with that, you know? Um, and you're right too about, I can't even feel anymore when I'm full and when I'm not. Um, and that's for, that was one of the big shifts for me. Cause that's what I realized. I was completely disassociated from my body. That's why I say like, like for me doing yoga at night back in the day, it was so instrumental to my weight loss. Not cause it helped me burn calories, but it helped me become more aware of my body. And when I ate stuff that made me feel like shit or when I ate too much and I felt like shit, I realized I had never felt any negative effects from overeating. You just habituate to it. It's like someone using drugs, you know, they keep using drugs, they can do more and more and more, but the tolerance builds. And so the overeating becomes a very similar thing as well. So the, the, one of the best ways to deal with that is to, next time you eat, take, take a minute or two and just sit somewhere quietly where you can kind of sit with your body. You know, notice how it feels and, you, and that might be helpful. Um, the snack eating for me at night is the worst. Yeah, I get it, summer ones. That's um that's a common one. The nighttime eating is a big one for a lot of people. Uh, we're conditioned to eat at night, you know, while we watch TV. So yeah, for a lot of people, that's a challenge. Um, never heard the suggestion to focus on the worst habit first, and this has been a game changer for me. Yeah, of course, Connie, right? Yeah. Again, I haven't heard a lot of these things I'm saying, you know. It's, I'm glad that's helpful, though. My worst habit is cheese. <laughs> LOL. Finally just removed it from the house in all forms for now. Yeah, that's good. Um, Yoda Cross says, I love food. Um, me too. Where do you live? I live in uh, Massachusetts in the uh, United States. Um, I love food too, and I'm excited to learn how to eat for pleasure when I've mastered my weight. Yeah. Um, Connie, don't wait to eat for pleasure till you've mastered your weight. Start now. I know it sounds weird, but I promise you it's going to help you. Um, Shireen says, yeah, Weight Watchers weigh in each week when doing it all right. You felt like such a failure with no loss. Yeah, yeah, right, exactly. Um, I got all kinds of issues with Weight Watchers. I, I think it's, it's good out of all the diets. It's good. Well, it used to be good. That social component was pretty solid, you know. But other than that, there's really not much to, to the Weight Watchers plan that's going to be that helpful to you. Um, but, yeah, I know I know what you mean. Yeah, you, you did great all week, and then you go step on the scale and didn't move. But so what? You, you know, again, I was thinking that. Last night I was thinking this. It's just such a crazy idea. But people with weight loss are so conditional. You know, it's like it's like... If you think about the most important relationships in your life, it's like loving them when they're being good, you know, when they're, when they're not being jerks to you, when they're being pleasant. And then when they're not being that way, you don't love them anymore. You know what I mean? Like, like so people with weight loss are so conditional. And if the scale's not moving, they're just, I'm done, I'm done. You know, it's such a half-assed commitment. And I was comparing that. I like to regularly make references to like college, you know, because college is a great, is a great reference point for the kind of motivation and commitment you need to really change your weight and to master it, you know? But when you go to college, you don't expect this all just going to be easy. And well, as long as I get it and I always get good grades and it's always kind of easy, then I'll stick with it, right? <laughs> like nothing that's hard, you would, that would never work. And so, but that's your, that's most people's, that's most people's kind of motivation strategy and commitment level when it comes to the weight, you know? It's, like, it's almost like, I always say like, it's like they're buying a lottery ticket. You know, it's like, well, let's see, let's see if I magically follow the keto plan perfectly this time and lose all the weight. Do you know what I mean? But it's, it's always got that feeling under, let's see if it works. Let, let's see, you know, but you compare that, that feeling to like, I don't know if you're a parent taking care of your kid, <laughs> you know, or if you did go to college, the level come to it or your job, you know what I mean? Like you have good days, bad days, you're tired, you're sick, whatever, all different things come, but you still show up. 
because you're committed to it at a much higher level. And when it comes to the weight, you'll realize you're, you know what I mean? You're just very conditional. If things aren't going well, you're pretty much out of there. You know, and that, that has to change, you know? Um, but it, it doesn't change through willpower though. It changes through a mindset shift, you know, thinking of the whole process differently, you know? Um, what's up, Hazel? How's it going? Good afternoon. I'm managing to maintain my weight the last four weeks. Great job, Hazel. That's quite an accomplishment. People don't understand like maintaining, like if you, if you lose some weight and you maintain it, that's a huge success, you know, because ultimately your real goal is to live at a plateau. You know, you just want to be a lower plateau than where you're at now. But, but the goal is to be at a plateau, not to lose weight forever. I know you know that logically, but emotionally you don't really internalize that a lot of times. So great job, Hazel. That's awesome. Um, Shereen says, even a tiny loss to Weight Watchers was, oh, sorry, just a quarter pound. Yeah, no, I get it. It's all just about the scale. We, we, you know what I mean? Again, dieters live for the scale. I like the scale as a tool, but I don't think, I, I, I do a lot, you know, I, and I know I, I put stuff out there. I'm, I'm being a little bit controversial the way I frame it, but I do a lot of work with people with the scale if they choose to use the scale. And of course, you don't need to use the scale, you know, but I like the scale. So I, I think it's a valuable thing to do, but I, I, I completely frame it differently than the average dieter, right? The average dieter, that scale is in complete control. And if the scale goes down, they're elated. If they, it goes up, they're absolutely devastated, okay? So I don't think of it that way. I think of the scale like the speedometer of your car, where, you know, if you look at the speedometer, you're not scared to look at it, right? You're going too fast, just slow down. You're going too slow, you speed up. So I think that's a nice way to use the scale is it's just a reference point. And the more indifferent you can feel about it, the better. And so I can never feel that way, Jim. Well, yes, you can, but you know, <laughs> it's up to you, but, but certainly you can change how you think about things. And when you change how you think about things, you're not going to believe it. It changes how you feel about them. So there's a lot more flexibility in how you think and feel about things than you realize. Dieters are so wrapped up in the, um, the same ways of thinking that they never really open up that there's another way to think about stuff. I always say that, 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 that phrase that drives me nuts. <laughs> I really does. My least favorite diet or phrase that people always tell me is Jim, I know what I got to do. I just need to get myself to do it. It's so smugly, you know, as if I'm just a dipshit talking about all this stuff. I, I know what I, I appreciate what you're saying, Jim. Appreciate, appreciate it. But I already know what I got to do. Oh Yeah. Do you? <laughs> When's the last time you lived at your goal weight for an extended period of time? Oh, it's been a while, but but I know what I gotta do. <laughs> you know, if you're not able to to get the results you want, I would assume it's because you don't know what to do. You know, having a vague idea of what you should do is not the same as knowing what to do, right? If you've never played piano and having a sense, I know how to play the piano. You just you hit the keys in the right order at the right time. Uh, and, and you got sweet music. Okay, but that's a different thing than actually being able to sit down and hit the keys in the right order <laughs> and play some sweet music. They're two totally different things, even though technically they're very similar. And so a lot of people walking around under the illusion that they know what to do when the reality is they, they have no clue what to do. They really don't. Want to lose 50 pounds? Yeah, I don't know how to lose five pounds. You know, and I don't say this to be discouraging. I say it to, to snap you out of the trance you're in. You know, if, if you think this, all you need to do is you just waiting for Monday to roll around, you know, like, like again, you probably are going to end up waiting for lots of Mondays in your future. You got to do things differently. You know, um, the banana, I love bananas. The healthy snack before going out would work well. 
Yeah, there's a million. There's so many strategies available to you all. You know, again, I, you know, I always say this that most of our thinking is in like 95% of our thinking is in response to questions we ask that we don't even realize we're asking, habitual questions. And when it comes to weight loss, the habitual questions most of you are asking are questions like, what's wrong with me? How come I can't lose the weight? Why is this so hard? Why do I keep eating the bullshit? Am I ever gonna get this? Why do I keep struggling? Why do I always make the bad decision? It's always about the problem. You're trying to analyze the problem because you think there's some cognitive breakthrough you're gonna have where once you get, ah, that's what's wrong with me. And as soon as you figure that out, everything's gonna instantly change. It ain't. Becoming thin is like learning how to write with the other hand. You don't need a book on how to write with your left hand. You need to practice writing with your left hand. You know everything you need to know. You just need to practice it. This is why I go back to people that tell me, oh, I know everything I'm going to do. I just can get myself to do it is the biggest load of horse shit I've ever heard. It has nothing to do with what you know. It has to do with what you're able to do consistently on a near automatic level. And what you know how to do, what most overweight people know how to do on a near automatic level is overeat and live an unhealthy lifestyle. You know, you got to understand you, you've got two mindsets in you right now. You got your, your core mindset, your subconscious programming is that of an overweight person. So what you can do on what you do automatically, because again, your weight's not just going up and 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 up. It may over years kind of be trending up, but it's a slow trend line most of the time. And so usually we kind of have this subconscious like weight set point. And I believe it's a subconscious mental thing mostly, but, but there's physical aspects to it as well, no doubt. But I think it's primarily a, a mental thing. But so you have this overweight mindset. So it's like, if you're not thinking about food or weight loss, or whatever, you just kind of live in your life doing whatever, and you're just doing what you typically do, you're overweight, right? That's kind of your automatic setting. And then you got your diet mindset where you try and fight against all that and force yourself to, you, you fight against what you naturally want to do. And at best case scenarios, you diet your way down to your goal weight, but the same problem exists where you have an overweight mindset and you have a diet mindset, but you can't keep dieting and you don't want to go back to being an overweight person. But I think this is why it's estimated 82 to 95% of people put the weight back on. Because I think the core problem is you don't know how to think like a thin and healthy person. Because when you can replace the overweight automated thinking with thin and healthy automated thinking, that's how you live at your goal weight for the rest of your life on near autopilot. And you have to reflect and say, geez, when have I ever focused on learning how to think like a thin and healthy person? And you quickly realize the answer is never. And then it starts to become crystal clear why you've gotten the results you've gotten and why you're experiencing what you're experiencing. I think, you know. But yeah, a healthy snack for going out would work well. I say that because there's a million simple to use strategies that resonate with you. And if you build around them, you make this process easier and you set yourself up for long-term success. And if we compare that to dieting, dieting is a great way to potentially lose weight for a little bit and then put it all back on. Would you disagree with that? <laughs> I think it's a great way to lose weight potentially for a little bit and then put it back on. Uh, conditional, so right. It is conditional, right? It's a good way to think about it. What's up, Hannah? Uh, Karen says, I need a scale for accountability and motivation. Yeah, I think the scale, again, the scale is just a tool. It, it's a, it's what you make of it. It really is. I know it's hard for you to believe that because it's been the end all be all for so long, but you can change how you think about it. You know, and, and again, I, I like this scale and I like using it um, strategically. It was a huge part of my process. When I was losing weight, I just weigh myself every day. And I think if you're losing weight, I think weighing yourself every day is fine. 
And it was, oh, that's how you give yourself an eating disorder. That's how you give yourself all this other shit. It doesn't have to be. I mean, what if you, what if you didn't just use the scale the way you've always used it, which hasn't worked for you? And what if you start to use the scale in a new way? Is that possible? What if you, in addition to using the scale to measure your weight, what if you used it to work through your emotions? Because this feeling of terror, like if you're so scared to step on the scale, like that emotion, don't you think that's an important thing to kind of work through if you're going to master your weight? I think, I always say this, that I think the reason you're not scared about looking at the speedometer of your car when you're driving is because if if you're going too fast, you know how to slow down. If you're going too slow, you know how to speed up. I think the, the the emotional terror people feel about the scale, it's not the scale, it's that it reveals the fact that you don't know how to influence your weight effectively. You don't know how to control your weight. And the scale just reveals that. So it's not the scale, it's what's underneath it. And it's the fact that you don't know how to lose weight. You don't know how to change your eating consistently. You don't know how to change your lifestyle consistently. That's the problem. And so if you're freaking out about that, I think good. Realize it. <laughs> Jen says, I don't recommend a talking scale ever. What's a talking scale? Like it just like, you weigh X amount of pounds today. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, you got to make things work for you, right? So it's like, and that's why I always say to people, like, I don't care. I mean, you don't have to use a scale. I've seen people succeed uh, without, without using a scale. You can do, you can lose weight however you want to lose weight pretty much. I mean, you got to consume less calories, but um, there's a million ways to do that, you know? A talking scale, that's funny. Yeah, I guess I could see that. You know, that's fair. But uh, I think, like, working through the emotions with your scale, I think, is a great exercise. And you can't convince me different. I don't care. Uh, Eric says, I struggle to quit scale because I'm scared I won't know when progress has stopped and adjustments needed. Um... Well, yeah, Eric, I get that. But that's, that's what I'm saying. Like, listen, folks, when you feel, this is how I feel about things. Like, if I am scared to step on the scale, I I don't want to, I don't want to accept that. I don't want to accept that I'm so, I'm terrified of stepping on the scale. Because to me, that that scared, that fear, that terror, whatever emotion that's like kind of a negative, peak negative emotion, I don't want to have all that negative emotion wrapped up with my weight I, you know what I mean like if, if all that's just right under the surface you know what I mean like like if, if I'm just like you know what I mean like, like I'm like a tea kettle getting ready to, uh, I'm doing good I'm doing good my weight. I don't want to step on the scale I don't want to step on the scale like like that to me seems like not a grounded solid place to master your weight from and I don't know if I'm crazy with that and I get I get what you're all saying because you've been using the scale with a diet mindset the whole diet mindset's there's no foundation under it, right? So when I talk about the weight mastery pyramid, I talk about mindset, lifestyle, eating, which which implies that there's a lifestyle component and a mindset component under the eating component. Now, when you try to lose weight, be honest, it's just an eating component. And you're trying to just force yourself to eat in a new way with willpower. There's no mindset and there's no lifestyle component under it. It's you trying to force yourself to eat differently, maybe force yourself to exercise different. And it's a, it's a very, uh, you know, it's a very disorienting, forcing yourself, trying to fight against yourself. You feel there's no foundation under you, which is why the second you make a mistake, you're off course. The second you step on the scale, it's not what you want. You're off course. You know, you're not, you're not solidly grounded 
in your attempts to master your weight. You're very off kilter and, and the, the slightest little blows you right off course. Is that not true? And if you feel that way, if you're that ungrounded with anything that you want to get good at, good luck. Good luck. I, I just feel like it's a, it's a very emotionally volatile place where people are at with their weight loss, which is why <laughs> program yourself then we, which is, I haven't even mentioned this, but folks, if you're not in my world, go to my bio, click the link, get the hypnosis session I give you. It's free. Um, watch the video I made for you. Three steps to master your weight. It's free. Um, read the emails I send you every day. They're free. I will help you. Okay. Um, but I love the video most of all, cause it, it kind of really gives you a different paradigm of what we're talking about here. But this is the key thing that, you know, you need to have a more solid foundation under you, you know, so that you can weather a good week, a bad week, a good day, a bad day. Right now, you don't, you, what's your ability to weather a good or bad day? What's your ability to weather stepping on the scale and it went up a pound? What does that do to you? Oh, absolutely. I'm just devastated. Okay. Maybe we should work on that. <laughs> you know, like no one considers they can work on that. You don't think you can be more indifferent to the scale. You can be more calm and relaxed. You don't think you could think about this in a way where you're more grounded instead of just feeling absolutely terrified. I don't think feeling terror and, and absolute fear and panic is, is a good, I don't think those are good emotions. I don't think those emotions support long-term weight loss. Because how do you want to eat? How is your reading when you feel terrified and fearful and scared and nervous? How's your reading? Do you crave healthy foods when you feel terrified and nervous? Do you make good food decisions? I don't. <laughs> uh, um, yeah. Yeah, adjustments needed. But hey, Erica, yeah, you talk about that because that, that plateau thing, I kind of got off, off track, sorry. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's a whole thing. But yeah, D-Banana says, did you say scale is a form of exercise? Um, no, I didn't say that, but I guess it is kind of. I guess I think of it, it's it's a it's a exercise you can use to work through your emotions. You know, wouldn't it be nice if the scale, you, you thought of the scale the same way you did the speedometer of your car? That's how I think of it now. But that's because I know I know how to control my weight. I, I can I can like a dial, I can turn my calories down like this. So as if my weight's higher than I want it to be, I know how to just turn my, my calories down like this. So it'll come back down. So just like the car. So again, there's a level of control that I have now that I didn't have. You know, this is what I work on with my clients. Again, there's a level of control that uh once you have that, the scale just becomes one more data point. It's one more feedback, you know, mechanism you have. Um, Eric says, I'm more scared to not step on the scale. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I, I, don't, I don't see that as a problem. I know. I get it. I understand there's a lot of stuff. But this is what I'm trying to say. Here's what I'm trying to say. I think everything we're talking about here really presupposes, and I think this is the most, this is the point of everything I'm talking about here is that the scale, whether you're scared not to step on it, whether you're scared to step on it, is that we don't have, we don't, a lot of times we don't feel like we have much influence over how we feel about things and how we think about things. And so we say, oh, I'm scared to step on the scale or I'm scared not to step on the scale. They're the same in my opinion because they both imply that you're stuck there and you can't change it. So I prefer to ask questions like, how do I want to feel about the scale? 
How do I want to use the scale? How do I want to feel about it? Which way is going to serve me best? Now, I'm not saying just asking that question just means I can just automate. Oh, I'm just this way. No. But it's a starting point. And I, people forget this all the time. You're, you're a, a beautiful, intelligent, creative human being who has the ability to change how you respond to things, how you think about things. And so when you feel terrified of the scale, fine. I acknowledge that. I accept that that's the initial spot, but that's it. That's where you just, you end the conversation there. I'm terrified of it. Let's move on to something else. Fine if you want to. But if you're terrified, are you even open to the possibility that maybe, how do I want to feel about the scale? I'd like to use it like the spot on my car where I just use it as a measurement. And I'm also going to use it as a way to kind of just reinforce my commitment to this. I'm going to step on it. And I'm also going to recognize how my body fluctuates day to day. And I'm also going to notice how things I did yesterday and the day before, how those impacted. I'm also going to learn how my body releases weight, what time period. One of the most important things that I learned from weighing myself every day is that it takes about two weeks for me. What that means is if I start eating healthier, cutting calories down, living healthier, it usually takes about two weeks for that weight loss to show up in any consistent way. And if I start eating like shit, I start eating more, start staying up later, you know, living unhealthier, it takes about two weeks for that weight gain to show up in a consistent way. Knowing that has been absolutely crucial to me because if I start eating healthier and doing the healthy stuff, in my mind, I'm not expecting any results for at least two weeks. So I don't care. I'll step on the scale, but if it doesn't move, I don't give a shit because I already had a time period of two weeks. What's your time period? There's a good chance you're thinking day to day, uh, week to week. So that's one piece. And then the other piece is like, if I start eating like crap, I step on the scale and it doesn't move. Oh my God, maybe my body doesn't gain weight anymore. I've thought that, you know, and then two weeks goes, oh, it goes back up again, you know? So uh, yeah, anyways, but yeah, you can, you can, I'm not saying you have absolute control over how you feel about everything, but what I am saying is you have a lot more control over than you probably realize. And it's a very, it's much more freedom when you, when you think about it that way. Um, spot on conquered the scales last month have dropped nine pounds since. Yeah, sure. See what I mean? This is what I mean. Like I'm telling you this scale, and I'm not saying you have to do this, but what I am saying is you have all this negative emotion attached to the scale. You have all that negative emotion attached to weight, your weight. It's, it's there. It's all linked up together. And uh, I don't know how you're going to master your weight without resolving all that emotion. Makes so much sense. I have not heard it framed this way. Thank you. You're welcome. Yeah, you hear a lot of things framed differently here. Right? That, that's what I do. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a hypnotist. If, if I know that I don't talk about hypnosis lately. I haven't been talking about enough about it. But um, I'm a hypnotist by trade, neurolinguistic programming trainer, uh, coach. You know, I, I consider myself now kind of a weight mastery coach. I use a lot of hypnosis, but I use a lot of conversational hypnosis. So I'm not just speaking to you guys, even on this podcast, I am, you know, attempting to influence positively your subconscious mind. So you naturally start making better choices and, and decisions. And a lot of that's happening by reframing things, thinking about things differently. And I think that that's the royal road to real, real long-term change. What's Trump Tridonum? I have gotten better about the scale. I used to refuse to step on the scale of the doctors. Now it's not a big deal. That's what I mean. Do you see what I mean? Like, like when, when it's not a big deal, how could that not be a better place to be emotionally and mentally with this process? You know, I, I don't know. I think it is. But again, I always go back to the main rule that, that it's always what works for you, you know, what matters most. Um, you talked about unconscious beliefs like attention from men, et cetera. How can we be more aware of them? That's a great question. And that's the level you want to, how you become more aware of them is you keep focusing on it forever. It is your subconscious programming and beliefs that are dictating so much of your life. So we have a conscious mind and a subconscious mind. 
Um, the conscious part of your mind is the logical, rational part of your brain that knows what you should do, why you should do it, all the rest of it. And it is the subconscious part of your mind that really runs all your habitual thoughts, feelings, and behaviors. So like if someone comes to me and says, uh, oh, no matter what I do, I can't lose weight. I never take that at face value. I start going deeper into looking. I'm looking, just like you're saying, how can we become more aware of them? I'm looking to become aware of the subconscious beliefs they have that are keeping them stuck. Because that's what I find runs everything. And so, yeah, there's a lot of ways to do it. I mean, this is what I do in my program. It, it, it's, I wish there's just a simple, easy way for me to say it. I, I will say to you this, go to my bio, click the link, get the hypnosis session and watch the video that, that I bring you to right after you opt in. It takes a couple of minutes to send you the hypnosis session. But that, that video there is really, really good at kind of explaining exactly that. I talk all about the conscious subconscious mind, how it works. And, and once you understand that, that'll help you become aware of them. Um, but yeah, I asked that question. That's one. Of, that's a great video I did recently where I said, I don't really think you want to lose weight. And I was talking about some of the subconscious reasons why you literally may not want to lose weight. Like, I mean, literally you don't want to lose weight. The biggest one for women is they don't want attention from men. Um, don't, or they're worried their skin's going to be sagging, worried that, uh, you know, they're going to be more visible in, in society and people are going to expect more of them. There's a bunch of them over the years. It's shocking to see how many of them there are, but you got to acknowledge these and resolve them. You can't just ignore them because deep down, and this is true. Here's a subconscious belief you all have. And this came up too. People were saying this, that you associate pain to weight loss. Like literally on a conscious level, all you think about is losing weight, but subconsciously you associate pain to losing weight. So you don't want to do it because you think it's going to be hard. Um, you're not going to look as good. Ironically, um, you think there'll be attention from men. It's going to be, you're going to be more uh, in danger. You know, it, just a lot of awkward, inconvenient things. And so if that's subconsciously how you think about weight loss, you ain't going to lose weight. So we need to acknowledge those, identify them, and then resolve them to, to make the weight loss easier. Because it's kind of like, I always use the example in the, in the, the video I'm talking about, the, the rider on the elephant. So it makes sense. It doesn't matter. I'm going to leave that there. But um, it's kind of like you want to lose weight, but it's like kind of like your subconscious mind's digging in his heels. Like you ever pull, like you're like a dog doesn't want to go somewhere. They just kind of like, they do this here. That's kind of like what your subconscious mind's doing for the weight loss. So this is why, does it not feel this way? When you try and lose weight, does it not feel like you're fighting against yourself? Have you ever thought about that? Like in any depth, how would you be fighting against yourself? You want to lose weight more than anything in the world. So what, what part of you are you fighting against? The part that likes food? No, it's the part that knows how to get along in the world as an overweight person. The clearest example is again, if, if, if you're a woman who years ago had to suffer some kind of trauma from, from mild to major having to do with attention from men or men in general, it's not a crazy thing to think like, I want to protect myself from that ever happening again. If I put weight on, it'll protect me from that. Let's just say, yeah, as, as one example. And so now here you are, I want to lose weight. I want to lose weight. And you're sometimes like, fuck that. I'm not, I don't want to lose weight because it's dangerous. Good luck. Good luck losing that weight. You see what I mean? And so there's a bunch of reasons like this. And you've got to recognize them and work through them if you're going to get the results. Because once you do that, once you do get yourself congruently to want to lose weight, subconsciously and consciously, we both want to lose weight. It feels completely different. Now it doesn't feel like you're fighting against yourself. It feels like you're, you're still working on things. I, I still try to make that point that like, I love playing the guitar. There's no part of me. I don't resist playing the guitar but it's still, I resist it because it's hard work sometimes. Sometimes a little frustrating. There's that piece of it, but I want to do it. But even me wanting to do it congruently, subconsciously and consciously, it still takes work and effort. 
The same's true with weight loss. Even if you're con- once you're consciously congruent, it still takes you got to figure out what works for you, tweak things, optimize things, learn, grow, evolve, all that. Um, but it's a much different process. You enjoy it. You keep growing every day. You get better. It becomes a straight line path towards your goal, where you're able to weather the the downsides, the setbacks, and just keep going. So that's what makes it totally different. Um, Eric says, "I wish TikTok allowed longer comments so I could better explain what I'm trying to say about the scale." Um, yeah, I get it. Well, Erica, it'd be cool. I mean, if you if you do join the program, um, get get that split play link. That'll be one of the first things we talk about. Again, that's the value. Uh, you know, I always tell people this that um, I, I have a, I have a coaching program. It's the most value I can offer you. If I if I can get to work with you for eight weeks, um, you know, we have calls twice a week. If you get on these calls, I mean, they're Zoom calls, so I'm literally working directly with you. Uh, it's a group, which is valuable too. I, we just were talking yesterday. A lot of people really love the group because you get to hear other people. Listen, we all got the same bullshit we got to work through. So hearing other people's stuff is extremely helpful for you. But then the most helpful thing I can do is get to know you and get to understand what your subconscious kind of hangups are and help you reprogram and change them. That's the most value I can offer you. So yeah, that'd be one of the things we, we work through of many. Um, John says, I decided to weigh myself on Friday mornings after four days of structured eating. Yeah, super, super. Um, again, John, though, I, why wouldn't you weigh yourself on Saturday, though? Because what if you what if you ate a little bit extra salt on Thursday and you gained, you just held on to the weight a little bit on Friday? And then on Saturday, you woke up and you're two pounds lighter. I, I, you know, I, I just wouldn't you be curious to know what happened on Saturday, though? I, I again, I'm not you do what you want to do. You know what I mean? What works best for you? But it's like I, I that, that would drive me nuts because, again, the fluctuations of weight that happen in a day. I think this is. It's fascinating to me that the people that are obsessed with weight loss don't even realize their weight can fluctuate two, three pounds in a day. The most fluctuation I've ever seen is about five pounds for me. That's a bit of an outlier, but it's not unusual for my weight to fluctuate one, two, three pounds in a day, just normally. And so if you're going to weigh yourself once a week and the first week, for whatever reason, you weigh yourself and you're just, you're three pounds down. Okay. And then you do everything great all week and maybe you lose a pound, but the next week you weigh yourself for whatever reason, you ate a little bit of salt the day before. And now you're two pounds up you're going to feel devastated. You know what I mean? It's going to look like you just stayed the same. And that's a hard thing to deal with. So again, I think, I think there's a lot of benefits of the scale, but I think one of the good things for those roses, um, I think one of the benefits of the scale is it gives you a more accurate understanding of how your body goes. And again, one of the things I said, some people lose weight quickly and some people lose weight slowly. I tend to lose weight kind of slowly, like, like compared to some people, some people lose five pounds in a week. And for me, it was always slower than that. At least it would take a couple of weeks for it to show up consistently. But now that I know that about myself, I can, I can calibrate my expectations to my body. You know, if you look at weight loss studies, what they'll do is they'll put people into metabolic labs where they're, they're controlling every calorie in and out. They're measuring everything, but it's a group of people. And so they're all getting the exact same, they're following the exact same system. Everything's exactly the same, but you'll notice that people lose all different amounts of weight. So I think this is another thing that's never talked about because, you know, if you're using these calorie counters uh, to figure out how much weight you're going to lose as you go through this, it's just a guesstimate. And if you don't realize that, you're setting yourself up to be probably discouraged, you know. So appreciating the fact that everyone with, with the weight loss is, is kind of different, you know, um, I think is an important piece of the puzzle. Um, why do I keep eating when I know I'm not hungry breakfast every day just because I'm used to it? Well, I think you answered your own question. Um, because you're used to it. A lot of our eating in this environment, even if you don't add the dieting into it, which is a whole nother level, but we tend to eat like we don't eat naturally anymore. 
A, we don't live in a natural environment, so we kind of can't, okay? This is why I believe you've got to structure your reading, you know? This is exactly why. I don't believe in intuitive, like I, I hate to say that because I do believe in intuitive eating in a sense, but it's a different one than you're probably thinking. I don't think you can just walk through the American environment and just listen to your body and eat when you're hungry and stop when you're full because the environment is constantly surrounding us with highly hyper palatable, easy to eat processed foods. I always say this, I could eat, I joke in Valentine's day, I ate my normal, I ate the same breakfast, I ate the same Monday through Friday pretty much. So Wednesday was Valentine's day, I ate my breakfast and then I realized, oh shit, I, I can't go out with my wife tonight because we had something we had to do. And um, I was like, I wanna do something. So I was like, hey, why don't we go out to breakfast? I just ate another breakfast. <laughs> right? So I was like, I could just, I could literally, and I, and I have, I used to just eat, I would eat breakfast and I'd eat a snack, then I'd eat lunch, then I'd eat a snack, then I'd eat dinner, then I'd eat all night. So I could just eat all day long. So yeah, oh, just listen to your body, Jim. Yeah, my body says, right, let's eat. So what, what do I listen to now? You know? So I, 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 I fucking hate the weight loss industry because it's always telling you like these, these perfect plans and how things, you know, your perfect way of doing it, this is how you should do it. And like, that's all bullshit because you're a unique person and you got to figure out what works for you. And so I know people say, oh, Jimmy, you're doing it wrong. You can't structure your eating. You got to listen to your body. Fuck you. I'm going to do it the way I want to do it. Thanks though. Appreciate. <laughs> I don't want to sound aggressive, but it's like, I get, I get so mad about the diet industry. I get so, so it's so annoying to me, but um, yeah, yeah. It, well, I'll, I think a lot of us can just keep on eating, you know? So what you have to do is, you have, I, what I had to do anyways, is I structured my eating. So I eat. Again, I have clean days, pleasure days. Five days of clean eating, two days of pleasure eating is how I structure my week. The clean eating days, I eat the same breakfast, lunch, each one of those days. The dinner is similar week to week. It's different night to night, but week after week, they're very similar in the same calorie ranges, nutrient ranges, type of food ranges. And then the pleasure eating is very structured too. So on the weekend, I don't eat lunch. I eat breakfast and I eat dinner because I eat more calories for breakfast and dinner than I do the rest of the week. Okay. And I have more strategies in there, but that's kind of the basic nuts and bolts of it because yeah, I can't just listen to my hunger. It turns out I can just keep on being hungry. So what do you do then? So if you struggle with that, I think the solution is, and I always say that, you know, there's no right or wrong when it comes to weight loss, except what works for you. The only exception being, I, I, I believe to my core, my being that you've got to structure your eating. I, I truly believe that if you go and live out in a natural environment, um, where you're eating all natural whole foods that you grow or that are growing there, then that's a different story perhaps. But I think when you're constantly surrounded by hyper palatable processed foods, I think you're going to struggle to intuitively eat is what I think. So that's my thoughts on that. I'd love to know how to track progress plateaus without the scale. Um, yeah, I get that, Erica. I, I, I get that. And so the way you track progress and plateaus, really, I think the first step is tracking your behavior. You know, and then there, there's a couple different ways of tracking um, results without a scale. Uh, now I'm weighing daily. Hadn't weighed myself in over 20 years. Yeah, is, there you go, right? And it's down nine pounds. So that worked for her. Does it work for everyone? Not everyone, but I think a lot, it could work for a lot more people if you open yourself to the idea that just because you're freaked out about the scale now doesn't mean you always have to be freaked out about it. Maybe you never learned how to use the scale appropriately. Maybe your whole mindset in terms of weight loss is is screwy, you know, and if you change it, It'll be a lot different, maybe. Scale was up this morning and normally this would be devastating, but I'm going to keep going. Yeah, great job, Connie. And that, that to me is the best part of the scale right there is my, the best part for me of the scale is when I stepped on it and it was up. I said, what the shit? 
I get all upset, but I work through that. That was part of my, that was part of my plan. I didn't just use the scale to just see where I was at with my weight. That was a big part of it. But the other part is I was using the scale to work through my emotions of when I expected weight loss and I gained weight. Great. It crystallized the emotion. It, it, it sharpened it up. I say, okay, I just put weight on. I'm fucking irritated. I'm, uh, how do I want to deal with this? Yes, yeah, relax. It's not a big deal. It's really about what you keep doing. This is just a blip in time, a moment in time. It'll go where your behaviors go. Where do you want to go from here? So you see what I'm saying? Like you, you step, oh, 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 oh that's it. Fuck it. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. I've had it. Screw this. I hate it. I'm no more keto. That's it. I'm not doing my, I'm not starving myself for 16 hours anymore. I've had it. I've had it. It's not even working. Nothing I do works. I've had it. Right? <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's like how you respond to it. You don't think your response to that is going to have a huge impact on your weight? Oh, but I just freak out, Jim. Okay, fine. You freak out. That's the only thing you can do is freak out to it. That's the only response possible. You know, you need to get more flexible. And before you get more flexible, you have to realize you can be more flexible with how you think and feel about things. Because once you realize you can feel different about the scale, subconsciously that starts a crack, opens a crack in the door and says, what else could I be flexible with how I think and feel about? Hmm. And you know what starts popping in? Maybe I could feel different about the junk food. Wait, instead of absolutely losing my mind and craving it and needing to have it and going into this weird trance where I got to eat all of it, maybe I could be more calm about it. Maybe I could start to feel more control over it. You see what I'm saying? Like, But if you just think, I just am who I am. You're Popeye over there. I am who I am. I know what I got to do. I just got to do it. I know what I got to do. I can't use a scale. I got to do this. I got to do keto. I got to do it fast. That's how I got to lose weight. Okay, what have your results been over life? Nah, if I've been overweight for the last 30 years. Maybe you should try something different. You know, I, I don't know. It's the human condition. I know why, because the neuroscience, we, we wire up what we know. And once we have the wiring, we just want to keep doing it because it's easier. Our brain's really... Uh, the, the organizing principle of the brain is that it wants to conserve energy. So once we have a way of thinking about things, we'd rather just keep thinking that way than thinking new ways, which is program yourself then is really it's solution and strategy after strategy to get you to think in new ways, you know, because I think that's the thing that's ultimately going to lead to your success. You know, it certainly ain't getting yourself to magically do some plan that hasn't worked for you over the last 20 years. Can we agree with that? <laughs> <laughs> Karen's, I love the scale. Yep. Is the time period more a personal decision or framed by how much you have to lose or both? Um, I'm not sure which time period you're referring to now that I think about it. Um, <laughs> Jody says you're too humble. You're an awesome coach. Thank you, Jody. Yeah, Jody's in the program killing it. Uh, do you have any hypnosis sessions to deal with anxiety? My anxiety often drives my food obsession. Um, yeah, well, listen, every hypnosis session that I make... The, the very first level of every hypnosis session I make is to relax and calm you down, which helps you with your anxiety. Uh, I believe that becoming more calm is probably the most useful, beneficial thing you can do to master your weight because you're not alone. When people freak out and get anxious and tense all the time, it's very difficult to make good food decisions. So if I could just change one thing in you and make you 50% more calm, I believe that's the one thing I could do to help you lose weight. You know, so yeah, obviously I have tons of sessions with that. Every, everyone helps with that because every session you listen to, you're relaxing, you know, that's how I look at it too. Cause the, like in the program, there's the five minute sessions in the morning. And so they're just five minutes, but they're five minutes to make a manageable. 
And so every day for five minutes, you're relaxing, calming down, bringing your attention inwards, you know, that. And then you're getting positive stuff in your mind too. But every day you're practicing calming down. And calming down is the opposite of anxiety. That's how you deal with anxiety. It's the first step anyways. You know? um, I feel like when you eat less after about a week, you don't want to eat more and overeat. Yeah, I agree that way too, Karen. I totally agree with that. I totally agree with that. Um, I was doing well, but really struggled this month and can't get back into it. Uh, yeah, Tasha, Tasha, I get that. A lot of people feel that way. That's kind of the February bounce back. You know, you're all hyped up in January and all motivated, but eating like shit during the holidays. So you got a natural motivation to want to clean things up. You, you do well for January. February comes around and you find all your motivations kind of fading away. So that's a total normal thing. Um, and I can't get back into it. What I will say, the big reason I see people can't get back into it, and now I will say that the most important skill of weight mastery is the ability to get back on track quickly. And most dieters are horrible at getting back on track quickly. And I would say probably one of the biggest reasons you can't get back into it is because you have an all or nothing mindset, or more accurately, a nothing or all mindset. Most of the time you're doing nothing. January comes around, you're doing all. And now you go back towards nothing in February, but now you're thinking, I gotta get back up to all. And you can't get the motivation to get to do everything perfect again. So this is why I'm a big believer in an all or something strategy, which is what Program Yourself then is. It's because every diet, think about every diet, you're starting day one changing 100% of your eating, of your lifestyle, of everything. It's overwhelming. And so you can do it a little bit when you're really, really motivated and focused and excited. But once that fades, it's hard to get yourself to do everything. So Tasha, what, what was, get back into it. What were you doing? When you were doing really well, what were you doing? Keto, intermittent fasting, tracking calories. Um, you know, cause that's the thing. Those things are all hard to do long-term. So you need easy things. That's why I'm programming yourself then. People in January, John's a great example. I, I don't know if John's still here, but John's in the, he was an all or nothing guy. Every January he'd start his keto intermittent fasting and working out like crazy. He'd do that for about two months, lose 30 pounds, couldn't maintain it, put the weight back on, repeat again the next year. And so this was the first year he started the program himself then approach, lost 13 pounds, but he did it in a way that was easy and sustainable. And then February came, same shit, you know, a little bit of bounce back, you know, kind of things happen. And, um, but he, he maintained, he maintained because what he did to lose the weight was never that difficult. It was very strategic. And so he plateaued a bit, but he maintained the weight loss and now he's kind of getting back in and he's, he's checking things out, but he's always been engaged with it. So, yeah, that, that's a common thing though, Tasha. All right, I'm gonna get out of here. I gotta go eat and I got calls to do. Um, again, anyone, if you're not in my world, go click the link to my bio, go get the hypnosis session, watch the video I made for you, Three Steps to Master Your Weight, read the emails I send you every day, if you're really serious, go to Program Yourself Then. You can start working with me. Um, listen to the podcast. Podcast is Program Yourself Then. Do one of these every weekday, usually noon. So if you have questions, you want to talk to me, hop on here and you can ask questions uh, and check them out. All right. Yeah, nice job, Connie. All right, everyone, have a super day and we'll talk soon. Bye.